0: Hi, everyone. It's 2020. I hope everyone is looking forward to 2020. I think it's going to be a very exciting year. I've got a fantastic prayer that I sent my patrons. It's a very powerful warfare prayer. It's kind of a New Year's prayer, and it's very powerful. Anyone can get a copy of this if you become a patron member. Becoming one of my partners is really important because it keeps this ministry on the air. If you guys have noticed, I'm no longer doing any advertising, tried that for a while, and I was finding that it was actually interrupting the flow of the show. Because this is a ministry, it's very different than these political pundits that stop every five minutes for their station break. The, the problem is that YouTube has pulled my entire revenue stream. And so that was a huge, tough break for me back in July of, of last year. And now this ministry is 100% listener supported. Yeah, that's right, YouTube. I can't be bought. Again, I want to really encourage you guys, people that have the means to really get behind this ministry so that you can make sure this ministry does continue. I think that everyone will agree this ministry is very unique and my voice is needed out there. That's one thing that I know for sure. And you guys have told me that through countless letters and emails in 2019, you guys have said this is a valuable ministry. And it's my hope that more people will realize the value of this ministry and get behind it. So I hope your finances are blessed in 2020 Maybe God gave you that good job so that you can support his work in advancing the kingdom. Equipping the saints is really the focus of this ministry, and it's 100% focused on salvation, healing, and deliverance with a focus in spiritual warfare. Boy, oh boy, are we in a spiritual battle, folks. And I plan on continuing to bring you fantastic guests and tackling a whole lot of exposés this year. And I want to let everybody know that I'm just putting the finishing touches on part four. It's been so much information of my mind control series done. And wow, it's called mind control in the church. And I've scoured and I've never seen anybody tackle this topic, period. It doesn't exist. So it's going to be very incredible. If you have not watched the other three parts of that, do watch it. That's an incredible series. And it's really going to set the backdrop for this part four. And in the fifth part, I'm going to sort of connect the dots and it's going to have powerful prayer. So the next two part four and five, you're not going to want to miss. So make sure that you're following me on YouTube again, although it's totally demonetized. And there's other ways to listen as well, including you can just take the show on the go on your favorite podcast. And to get the latest news, make sure you're signed up for my free e-newsletter so you can stay in the loop on exciting shows, exposés and guests. And I personally communicate with every one of my patrons. I'm going to be revamping things and coming out with some great Perks in 2020, including some private chats with guests of your choice. So, those are for the premium patron members. And I always, always respond to the private chat. It's a great way to also stay in touch with me and be able to get your questions answered. So, if you have questions, you can feel free to message me over there on Patreon. Become one of my patrons today for any amount. And, like I said, if you have the means, Do become a premium partner today. And I want to thank my partners for your continued support. You enable this ministry to go forward. If you have Twitter and Facebook, make sure you're following me. You're going to love my Instagram page as well. I'm pretty new to Instagram, but I have a lot of feedback on my Instagram and I make a lot of my own memes. So sign up for Instagram and you're going to get a real kick out of that. Again, all that information is over there at SheilaZelinsky.com. So I've invited Pastor Elvis Newhart to come on the program. It's going to be a three-part show similar to what we did with The Devil and Karen Kingston. This one is called Bloom Hearts Battle. A Conflict with Satan. This is quite, I have a copy of this book. The book, if you want to order it and follow along with us, is up there on your screen. And I'm really looking forward to Pastor Elvis laying this three-part series out. So without further ado, I want to invite to the program Pastor Elvis Newhart from Hamburg, Germany, joins us on this three-part series, Bloomheart's Battle. Elvis, you get into it, take it away, and you throw it back to me when you're ready, sir.
1: Well, thanks, Sheila. And uh, it's really uh, great to be back. Uh, for those of you that listened to us on the series we did on The Devil and Karen Kingston, the story with Devil and Karen Kingston, if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, that's a, a process that was like over four days, and they were praying for a young lady. And then we get to Bloomheart's Battle here, and this was a battle that went on, and it wasn't just with one person, it actually ended up uh, involving an entire community, and that lasted over four years. So praise the Lord. So what I'd like to do is let's just go forward and I'd like to start this here. Uh, We're going to take this piece by piece. So this year, what we did, kind of like I do that once a year, we take uh, one book and really go through it. And this year, we are going through uh, uh, a very old book that I've had for the longest of time. Uh, I had read through, you know, in the past, I had read through this several times. The book is called Bloomheart's Battle, A Conflict with Satan. It's translated by Frank S. Boshold, and he translated this back in 19, uh, around 1970. And in the 1970 version, I'd really like to uh, recommend that one. It is still available everywhere where you can buy books. Uh, It's uh, for $8 or so, but it is a dynamite book. And it is a must book for all those involved in either deliverance, the Deliverance Ministry, uh, whether you've been in it for a long time, or whether you're just beginning. So if you've never read the book before, welcome. uh, Come along. We'll we'll, uh, go through this. And if you've already read this book several times, hey, let's go through it one more time, and let's read it with Deliverance eyes, and let's see what the Holy Spirit shows us. But it's really interesting here. And so praise the Lord. Let's look at that. You can uh, either read along if you have the book. Hey, go ahead and uh, open that up, or we're going to look at it here. The one I want to start out here first is, back in 1970, I'm going to, I'm going to share part of the foreword here. Where this has been a real invaluable tool for us as we've been going through Bloomheart's battle is, is it really takes it through a step-by-step of how you recognize this, how the enemy gets a foothold, and you start recognizing some of the signs or some of the tricks of the enemy. And so there's a lot of stuff where you, you realize really how tricky the enemy can be. But at the same time, you see that when the devil tries to do something more or spiritual activity starts uh, ramping up in your life or in anybody's life, God is always there to help us and train us and show us the way. But I want to start out with an introduction here, and this is really good. And it says, you know, it, it was less than 10 years ago, most Americans felt strongly that demons, devils, witches and spells belong to a distant benighted time or to a distant dark time. It says even theologians were expunging supernatural sections from the Bible by the process of demythologizing. And I want to talk about that here because it's still going on today here. And this is where a lot of that talk of where, you know, Christians can't have demons, where a denial of the supernatural, where they took the entire church. And this was back in the 50s and the 60s, right? And they said, well, we need to demythologize the Bible. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Help us, you know, get all those you know dark little devils out of there. Well, the thing is, is that it's not just those dark little devils. It also starts including some of the miracles of Christ. Because what happens is, is you see a real twist, you know, Try to really discipline myself. Here is they want to take it from the supernatural power of God that He has there for, for His people, right? And they want to take it and they want to put it into humanism and secular secularism, and in some sad cases too, using the church as a, as a mouthpiece for a government program. And so, anyway, what happened was back in the fifties and the sixties, they said, you know, we have to demythologize uh, the Bible. And that is a process still going on today. And what you're going to find out, and we know this, that the word of God is constantly under attack, is they just want to take it away till it's, it's basically a feel-good, do-gooder book and just, just do uh, humanistic and secular works. But anyway, but back then they were convinced that the only explanation for dealing with evil spirits in the Bible, right, was the supposed ignorance of the people of that time. Well, thank you very little. So you're all here listening with this, and we're talking about this because we're ignorant. Well, what happens with that is, is with that type of teaching, and uh, I listen to some some excellent teachers out there and uh, men of God that I really love, appreciate, and I look up to. And then when it comes to deliverance and people are asking more and more about this, this this question because demonic activity, it's been ramping up and on the rise, you know, it's just been going straight up. So people started asking these questions. And so then we start getting phrase and the first phrase that they use is they say, well, you know, all these people, they see one demon behind uh, every bush or door. And I disagree with that because we see five demons behind every bush or every door, you know, and I, and I listen to a, a, a listen to a person who I, I really respect. Uh, he's not really in the deliverance camp, but the point is this is that when they're not trained and they don't know, we go back to these pat answers. And the answer was this, well, with demonic activity, what you need need to do is just shut the door and then resist it in the flesh, right? Right. Yeah, like alcoholism, you know, just shut the door on it and repent and resist it in the flesh. The thing is, is that when you get into deliverance, and what we're going to see as we go forward here too, is that you are not going to conquer supernatural problems by resisting in the flesh, because the enemy will trick you and will overpower you, and you will you will see in many parts that the enemy is much smarter than so many of us in ways, and if it wasn't without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, you know, it, like the song says, Jesus is, Jesus is the one who paid it all. Without him, there's no hope for us at all. And so what happens was, is they go, well, and it, it, by the very word these people say this right like well just shut the door and resist in the flesh well isn't there something in the bible that says you know they started in the spirit but they ended up in the flesh and how are we going to you know fight with the flesh and that doesn't work but you see if you're not trained and brought up in this you don't know what to do and so you fall back on that now why do i bring all that up because such was the case of a of a pastor uh, by the name of pastor johannes Blumhardt, and he was a lutheran pastor in this area and this story takes place in a small little quiet pastoral German village west of Stuttgart, Germany. And this is in the years from 1840 to 1844. Now, we have to get our head around what time that was. That was, a, that was about 25 years even before the American Civil War. So you can see how it is. Germany wasn't even a nation yet back at this time. And so what happened was, is Blumhardt, who really loved his people... And you see this man's love as he goes through this. And uh, what happens is, is that he went from a knowledge thing, and he was a man who read a lot of Bible. He was well-studied, very studied, very intelligent individual. But what happened was when the supernatural showed up, he wasn't trained for that. And I'm constantly surprised as we go through his notes, what happened was, was that he read all this Bible, but amazingly enough, every, every part of the Bible that dealt with the devil, supernatural stuff, even the parts of the Bible that basically say, come out in Jesus name was neither in his memory or somehow he didn't read that part. And so do you think the enemy can go through and do a mind control or, uh, a, a, you know, a, a thing on, on a theology or a church thing here too? This was a praying man who believed in the Bible, read the Bible often. And, but when it came to the deliverance part or things that were manifesting, it was a whole brand new world for him. And at the beginning, he didn't know what to do. He didn't have any literature, right? There weren't, there wasn't a, bunch of books going around. He couldn't ask people. And when he asked his fellow colleagues, they told him to avoid the situation and just leave it alone. Well, thank God the Bloomheart didn't do that. But you see, why now? Why all that happened was is that you know they were saying let's It's just like well, you know, the people were just ignorant back then. So every every time we read about the spirits in the Bible, those people were just ignorant, right? Well, we don't agree with that. And it says you know since century, centuries ago, man felt helpless when faced with strange convulsions, seizures, and erratic behavior in other people, right? And he called them evil spirits and blamed some evil supernatural power. For these afflictions, you know, back then they would call it evil spirits. Remember the story in the Bible about the man and his his son would kept throwing himself in the fire, right? And so he went to Jesus and he went to the disciples and said, hey, I, "My my son is lunatic, or my son is he's doing this. Can you pray?" And then we see that that a spirit would come out right? But nowadays, it's commonly accepted that psychology or uh, proper medical diagnosis of mental disease or strange behavior have eliminated the need for supernatural explanations. And they want to have supernatural explanation for everything except for deliverance in the work of Jesus Christ that he opened for us through his death on the cross. When he went back up to his father, the Holy Spirit came back. Why is that? Let's keep reading. Now, you know, it's only natural that people ask themselves, right? Do, do demons really exist? And are these supernatural things real or is all this one big put on, right? Is this one big show? Because notice folks uh, today and hey, through the last 40 or 50 years, anytime we've seen anything dealing with demonic spirits or stuff like that, we see it in the movies. And so what happens with all that, we see it in the movies, but all of a sudden a, a situation comes in and something in our brain wants to tell us it's just a show. It's just a movie, you know, but the the Bible, God's word states without a doubt that there is a devil. Right. And, And it's funny because everybody knows this when they say, well, what was the devil's biggest job or what did he do? And they say, well, the devil's biggest job was he convinced everybody that he didn't exist. And you see that there is a devil, there are demons and that God alone can deliver from their work and from their power. Now, what happens is, is culture goes along or we, or we have a supernatural influence on what is called normal. And look at today. There's a lot of stuff that's going on today that it, not so long ago is termed abnormal, right? That's why they're always pushing. And it's very abnormal. It's uh, perverse. You can look at this just in the news stories that are going around today and even what they're letting into schools. And you notice they're always going after kids. They're always going after the kids and they want to start there because they want to work on their belief system and I'll have to stop myself here but this is why they want to they want to separate it get the kids separated away from their parents right and have all this stuff happen to the kids in the school or somewhere else to work on them And you see what happens is is that then it's not abnormal or it's whatever they, they go well it's a fad or a, or a hobby. The thing is, is that it's not just a fad or a hobby. Hey, you know what, we all, remember the hobbies you had as a kid? You know, maybe you collected bottle caps or baseball cards or something. But, you know, eventually when you grow up, that goes away. But those that have entered into supernatural experiences, it's really different, right? And you see what happens is, is that a hobby or stuff like that, that comes and go. But when you enter into the spirit, when you dabble in spiritism or demonic religion, right, those people come permanent permanently under the influence and power of something they cannot throw off at will. You can't just drop it at will, right? And you don't even have you don't have control over that. And so this is a lot of people too, you know. Hey, there's some people who they developed drinking as a hobby until their little hobby came to something that they couldn't throw off, they couldn't quit when they wanted to, and they came under the control of it. Now that's just one, but you know, even satanic religions. Now is, for example, their behavior is no longer under their own control, but it's dictated by unseen forces which have gained a claim upon that person. And that's one thing that the enemy always wants to do is they want to develop a claim on you, right? And then what the enemy does is they come and they tell you, well, we have this claim on you, so you're bound to us forever. And the thing is that even the demons themselves know that this is a this is a lie. Right, like the word possession. Everybody wants to argue about the word possession. They can have a lot of influence and control over you, but they can't own you. And remember that as we go forward, right? Now, what happens is, is that they have a claim on them. And because of the nature of the involvement in the false supernatural, those who are ensnared do not know how to become free again. And since they've been demythologizing the Bible for hundreds of years, People do not know that this is even available to them, you know, salvation, healing and deliverance. And it's become a bit more popular now in the times, too. You know, hey, salvation, we need to run out there and preach the gospel to every creature out there. There are some more places that do healing. And then there are much fewer, if any, places that actually do deliverance. We want to do something as spiritual warfare. Uh, When the marketing people realize that if you start using the word uh, spiritual warfare and doing a little bit, you you might draw some people in. But the thing is this, is that this is horrible. And you see, people get wrapped up in all this stuff, and they don't know how to get free again. And so what happens is, is basically the blind go to the blind, right? And they go, what do I do about this? And then the only offer out there is, you know, the, is, is the pat answer. Well, shut the door on it and just resist it in the flesh. Well, folks, for those of us that know this, you know, how you really know it's uh, it's demonic is when you've really tried, quote unquote, resisting it in the flesh, And using all the, uh, you know, what's currently popular in religion, and you're still not getting free from it. And you notice some of these patterns that have been running in your family line as far back as you can remember. Did you ever wonder why great 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 grandpa he was out there and he he was a real fan of old Kentucky number seven. And then all of a sudden we find out that the, the great 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 grandchildren all of a sudden they're also they're too much of a fan of old Kentucky number seven. Where does this come from? And why is there out there? There's a whole bunch out there, you know. Now, you know what happens is is that and I really I'm gonna go back and I'm going we're gonna look on this on involvement in the false supernatural. And it can be the false demonic supernatural. And it can be the the spirit of like another Jesus, false Christ, false religion, false supernatural. And these open the door wide for enemy spirits. And this is how we know it. How can we tell, you know, after the possession by an evil spirit, you know, when a person begins to change his or her behavior, right? His feelings, his standards, his desires, theres a real change in that. And there's there's times where we go, well, well, Bob, boy, Bob really changed, right? Or Sally really changed. And besides that, you know, the people that that go through this or when there's an evil spirit presence, they experience attacks of fear and depression, and melancholy, right? Temptations of suicide. Who are those little voices inside of your head saying, "You know what? It's just gotten so bad. Why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? And uh, nobody's going to miss you anyway, and nobody's going to come to your funeral." Blah, blah blah blah. Folks, you can get deliverance from that, and it's incredible where that comes from. It's like, where did that come come from? You know, in family lines. I remember myself. When I started in deliverance, too, there'd be times where there would be pressures and everything. And then there would be those voices that say, you know what, just go kill yourself. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, there is deliverance from that. And when you get rid of those spirits, you're just like, oh, you tricksters, you little dirty tricksters. But so anyway, we sit here and we go temptations of suicide, right? And then there's times with the unexplained anger, resentment hatred or just urges to destroy. You know when that comes over people? And how many times have we sat there and we've seen something in the news or we've heard about a, a really violent event or something or we've seen something and we go, how could these people even think to do that? And you see, the, the point is this, and we're going to go into this and look at that. This, this is, you know, there's neither therapy Nor drugs nor changes in environment help those possessed by evil spirits. And since these people turn away from God and his gospel in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the only way of deliverance, and yes you can say that, there is no hope of freedom from the dark power of Satan unless the victim seeks help from God. Okay, now this is really something. And but usually what happens here is that people do not seek help from God. The enemy has working been working super overtime again. You know, not even not even outside the church, but inside the church of demythologizing. I like that word. Isn't that an innocent little word, demythologizing? Basically, stripping all the power out of the gospel. And deliverance is the power part of the gospel. And you see what happens is that. The people get wrapped up in that. And then what they do is they start feeling under pressure. And when they feel under pressure, they run to their idol for comfort, right? For comfort, for hope, for healing, right? That's why all those people ran to Baal. That's why all those people ran to the Canaanite religion, right? Because, you know, hey, if things are going bad, let's just run to Baal. And what that does is that brings another layer of curses that opens so many more doors, so many more doors in generations uh, for the enemy to come into a life. And what happens is, is that those patterns get rolling in a family line, or, or even in a person's life or even in a family line, those patterns get rolling like that and they become normal. And you know what? All the men die, die that way. Oh yeah. All the women. Yeah. Oh, breast cancer. Oh yeah. It's a given. It's a given. So be sure to get out there and get your ma- mammogram when you're 12. And it's just like this normal stuff. And there is stuff that, that we consider normal. That's, that's not normal, but you know, this is a thing too. As we go into this here and as we look at this here, too, we have to remember that the days of Bloomheart were quite different from those of St. Paul. Okay? At the beginning of the Christian era, notice this, the great majority of the believers, they knew of the existence and activity of demons, and they also knew how to contend with them through the power of the gospel right? I uh, gave a message one time called Deliverance Through Church History, right? And the thing is, is like we, we just think that this was going on when Jesus was there. Oh, no, there were disciples, and this, this went on and on. There are many um, non-religious, there are many secular observations that were made. They go, wow, there's these Christian people, and they'll pray for these weird people over here, and somehow they will get help and everything, right? And, you know, Paul wrote that, too. Paul wrote, you know, we're not ignorant of the devices of the devil. And, folks, that's why we're here tonight, right? That's why we're here right now listening, uh, sharing about Bloomheart's battle because so we're not ignorant. And what's funny is, is that the world wants to label us ignorant because we are going after this. But, it's, you know, if we don't pursue this, if we don't accept that this is in the Bible and that we can do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right, then we become ignorant. And my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the enemy knows that, too. Now, in Bloomhart's day, in Bloomheart's day, the majority of church members were no longer true believers but nominal Christians, and therefore, they were destitute of spiritual understanding. Now, the story of Bloomhart's battle, it, it, uh, we're going to look at, it. it's about a young Christian lady, right? She's 28 years old. She was the youngest child in her family, but she and her brothers and sisters, they were orphaned. They lived in a Christian community because everybody went back to went to church back at that time, most of the people anyway, right? And so they would all, you know, they'd all go to church there. So it was a, a Christian community in a believing area of Germany. It wasn't like they were in a real heathen part and they were the only ones, right? But here she was, a young Christian lady in a Christian community. Yeah. And so it's like, where did all this come from? We're going to look at this. Let's just say they, they had the Lord in their mouth, but maybe not so much in their heart, Right. They became nominal Christians, right? Destitute of spiritual understanding and especially in the supernatural. And at the exact same time, what's going on is all these Christian people. They were still doing, uh, you know, all of the religion, you know. You, yes, I'm a Christian, but I still throw salt over my shoulder to keep the devil away. They not, would knock on wood and they would say, toy, toy, toy. And what that is, is that's a, a, a shortening, an ab, abkürzung. And they would top on wood and, and, for, and for good luck, they'd tap on the table three times and say, double, double, double. Yeah, and they'll know we are Christians by our hmm, okay. And you see what happened was is is all this all this superstition, all this super superstition was there, right? And so they're still in this. The people still don't realize that, the, that they are in idolatry, right? Or that they're they're in sin, right? Now, because of the prevailing ignorance of the supernatural in those days, it is the more amazing that Pastor Blumhart remained clear and victorious in his conflict with Satan. He didn't, like I said, he didn't have literature to consult. He had no friends that he could talk with, right? Nobody, he had nobody in his church circle, like I said, or, or comrades there. How, how do I contend with the de- devil, right? And the thing Was is that he couldn't do it really openly because there would be a lot of criticism with him and it's the same thing they would say he was crazy and they would try to remove him from his pastorate and so praise God so we thank God for faith and more faith and prayer and fasting and steadfast holding on to the word of God and you see what happened was and why we study this story and why we go through it is the fact that Bloomhart was really a pioneer in this area and remember it was 1850. And so there were many, uh, many things that were going on. So, hey, let's take a deeper look here of uh, what went up. Actually, Pastor Blumhardt, he went through this and it was, he finally published all, all of his notes and everything that he did in 1850, which was six years after the entire battle here, okay? This whole thing stretched out four years and it didn't just involve one person, it involved an entire community. And here we go. So we're going to cut uh, cut right to some of the meat here. Uh, what happened was um, there's a young lady, and her name was Gottlieben Gottlieben, which is really funny because in German that means that means a young lady that loves God, which is. Very interesting. She Came from a Christian family. They were orphaned. I mentioned that there. What we really notice in the book here, and watch this as we go through it, is you start seeing the telltale signs of the enemy really moving in. What happened? The first thing was the first thing that happened to this poor young lady. She had a disease of the kidneys. This kidney disease that she had lasted two years. She was a strong Christian. Actually, it it, it increased her faith. Right? And she goes, "Okay, hey, I'm gonna do all the do all the right things." Right? And so she got on, it increased her faith. And the thing was was this is that um, she finally got through it after two years but it really kind of left her weak in some areas but the thing was was like there was a disease here and it should have been cured or cured kind of easily but when diseases and sicknesses don't go away Right. There might be something else. And, and you know, now today we got. well, let's try this med. Let's try this med. Let's try this med. And the thing is, is that the de- disease didn't go away and it left her weak. By the way, hardworking lady. She was uh, she she was a cleaner. She she did. Uh, uh, you know, she worked in houses. She she worked with families and everything. So, you know, she was a very fastidious person. You could say she was uh, neat and tidy. She got a new apartment one day with her and her brothers and sisters, and as soon as she entered into that apartment in February of 1840, that's when she said she really started noticing everything that was going on going on with her the first big red light that happened is they would sit down to eat and they would pray the prayer and i'm sure if you've been a german in the midwest you pray this uh, this prayer still uh my family prayed this on both sides of the family line you know come lord jesus be our guest right and let this food to us be blessed you ever prayed that prayer they were praying that back in 1843 back in germany the thing was is they would start that simple prayer come lord jesus be our guest and she would fall to the floor unconscious. And even just trying to pray to the Lord or whatever, all of a sudden she would fall fall unconscious. And they they started hearing noises in the apartment. And we talk about this, too, about one thing, too. It's like when you move into a new place, be sure to pray over it. Hey, take that olive oil, anoint your doorposts, your windows if you want. And you pray over. It. it's Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I pray over the entire apartment here, all the doorposts. We command all the spirits to leave this place now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any spirits from the from the last people, we have no idea what they were involved with before we moved in here, but we command all that out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, folks, I have heard interesting stories of people moving into places and uh, not not really realizing what was above, around, or below them. Uh, there are people where they moved into a place, and it was just crazy, and they couldn't figure out, and one day the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, lift the carpet, and they lifted the carpet, and there it was, a very complete and a very uh, ornate pentagram with the circle around it and everything. The previous owners were Satanists, and uh, yeah, basically just raised the carpet and just left that thing there. So anyway, but that's what's good to pray. Pray over your apartments, folks, or pray wherever you move into, and cover with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I uh, invite some of your friends over, your friends that do, Pray to and just, just pray over it. Just we don't know what the people were involved with uh, before we moved in there, and people can get weird. But what happened was this: is that not only that, not only was she starting to pass out or having these pass outfits, uh, like we said, they would, there, there were noises that would start to go on all night in this place. You know, all of a sudden too, we start realizing is that here's this nice young Christian girl southwestern Germany. Everybody everybody get the picture of Heidi from the Sound of Music in their heads right now, right? Nice young lady. And what happened was, is that all of a sudden they started noticing a personality change in her. Now remember, this was a young, hardworking Christian girl with a good report in the community, right? She started becoming repugnant. Her behavior started going going bad, right? She became repulsive. And it's just like all of a sudden people, people just got a really weird vibe about her and it was like, you know, they didn't like being around her anymore. And she would really, they would, they would really just, you know, start to avoid her. She would also start to get very general, just vague and general on prayer requests, or she went to the pastor for help and it would get really advice. And one, one thing that Bloomhart wrote about that was, is he says, when they're so general and everything, I, I try to come for them Or but, but he says, you know, what, it, it became so vanilla that, that I couldn't give her any satisfactory advice. And so anyway, so that was something there. And, but anyway, but all of a sudden, another big disease comes in, and it's not like she caught a cold, but it's like some, a crippling disease again, right? And what it was is it was an infection under the skin and in her, in her face. Now, the thing is, is that while she's under this disease thing, right, while she's under this big sickness and everything, her behavior became so bad that Pastor Blumhardt, he wrote, I didn't care much to visit her because her behavior repulsed me. Uh, bloomheart would show up at her house and she would basically fall unconscious, fall, you know, basically go to sleep. Probably like a lot of people do. They go to church. You ever notice that if you've got you or someone that you know and you go to church and the message starts and the first thing you want to do is fall asleep. And now watch that. And if you pray in tongues, you can pray in tongues. But bind up all the spirits that want to knock you out or put you asleep, you know, uh, you know d- during a good sermon or uh, when, when godly people are around you. And so what would happen was, was, you know, and as soon he he'd walk into the house, she would give him like the nasty looks and everything, really behave poorly towards him. And as soon as she left, and this is how you know it's a demon, folks, as soon as Pastor Bloomhart left, boy, she'd be right back and up on her feet and she would have all this energy to go around and do uh, whatever she wanted to do. And that's interesting. So she got uh, what happened was it was another uh, year long period. She had to be under you know treated a lot by doctors and everything. And the doctors are also getting more and more perplexed because they're like this disease happened here, but you know, and, and we use the things that should be working on this disease here, but it's like nothing is nothing seems to help on. But anyway, she recovered from that, and then it happens, and this is something too. Two years after all this stuff happens and all the times that's been. All the, all the things that were reported. In April of 1842, I learned for the first time something about the ghost in the house. Oh, okay. It's been two years and now I'm getting introduced to the ghost in the house. Now, people, there's times, too, where people don't want to share this because who wants to admit that there's a ghost in their house? Or sometimes they're just afraid. You know what? That's what the enemy wants to do to you, too, folks. He wants to shove you and keep you into silence about stuff that's going on. Now, why that happens a lot and why that happens a lot today is because, remember, back to the topic of demythologizing the Bible, there are people that do do go seek help and they they get told, you know, they get some type of psychological diagnosis. Uh, They are not believed. The people don't know how to help them. I've had this a lot where we've had a lot of the a lot of larger churches here in Germany and it happens every January. It's really interesting. Why do they seem to keep the people in their church all the way up to the first of January and then January 2nd they want to just drop all these people off. You won't believe the telephone calls that I get. So anyway. What happened was two of her relatives had come to seek the pastor's advice because it couldn't kept be kept secret any longer. Did you notice that? They were keeping it secret. Right? The ghost in the house. Yeah, let's keep that secret, right? Well, let's read about this ghost in the house here. And we're talking about spiritual visitor, visitors in the house. But And you notice what that's become today? Back then it was like embarrassing and they kept it in a, a secret. Today we have programs like Ghost Hunters, right? Come with us. Let's go through your house and find all the ghosts or noises. And so what happened was, was finally the relatives said, you know, it got so bad here because we can't keep it secret any longer as the whole neighborhood had noticed all the trampling noises at night. And so this is something here too. And this is where they go, oh, something's going on with the, uh, and I'm going to use this phrase, with the crazy girl in that house. Because, of course, that's the first thing they want to blame it on. Something's going on with the crazy girl in, in that house. Now, at that time, Gottlieb saw with, with much frequency, with many times she was visited by a figure of a woman of this town who had died two years earlier. And so this woman had died two years earlier. They saw what this quote-unquote ghost would appear appeared to be like her holding a dead child in her arms. Now, this is really something here too, and I'm, as we're going through this and we're talking about this, they're going to see more women, and they're going to see more women with dead childs in their arms. matter of fact, later on we'll, you know, we'll, we'll come to the point where they saw a lady and they were talking to her because they thought it was the lady and not a demonic spirit. And they said, well, hey, what, what what's going on here? And she goes, well, I had two children and I killed them both and I, I buried them in the in the field. And when you realize that this, that's a demon people, yes, there are demons that do that, folks. And there are times where, where women are possessed with those spirits or have that too, where the, the pregnancies, they there, either wanted or unwanted. And what happens is, is that the child gets killed and buried in a field. Now, I was really shocked as I was going in and preparing for this whole thing. All of a sudden, all these news articles start showing up here uh, in modern time, right? Uh, right now today, the day about all these young ladies, let's just say somehow they got pregnant, either wanted or unwanted, mostly unwanted. And they would just, they would kill their children and go bury them in the backyard of the house. Or, or they would just do something with it. Or we, we, we hear about this, right? And here we see it's a spirit. there standing there doing it. It's a demon. That's a, that's a spirit. And as I was talking there, too, I, I, I went on, uh, I, uh, you know, there's a longer thing, too. You, you wonder about the abortion movement or you wonder about all these women or people that are around screaming for their right for this. And I, I ask myself sometimes, you know, hey, that could very well be a demon, right, where they're sitting there. And, you know, I've seen lots of programs and these people that are, are screaming this. You know, and they scream, I kill my kids. And that's not a good thing. But what I want to point this out is that this was roughly 180 years ago, folks. So what we have here is we have a ghost showing up at her house. They kind of knew that, but Gottlieb carefully kept her name secret and did not tell it to him two years later. Okay, so you see how things, you know, really kind of... You know, and so they told us that basically, don't talk to those spirits, right? Don't don't try to communicate with, with that type of dead. And now, what's really interesting here is time went on in the house, and as symptoms started getting worse in her life, and it, like we said, the noises from the spirits were getting so bad in the house they, that the entire neighborhood was noticing that it was going on, right? Is that now? Remember, Gottlieben and her sisters and everything—they worked as cleaners. They kept they kept a very clean house. You know, I, I'm sure they swept and va- swept under their under their couch. But what happened is is they start finding packages of coins wrapped up in paper with mysterious writing on the outside of them. And the interesting part is, is that as Pastor Bloomhart, he kept praying, hey, hey, what's going on here, right? Because this was new to him, too. And he was sitting here. And what happened was, is all of a sudden, lights would start shining on certain parts of the house, right? Behind the stove, under the sofa, or different parts there. They kept finding all these little packages. And there would be little packages, wrapped up paper with coins on the inside and written on the paper were things that, that, that resembled magical spells, right? They would look like little prescriptions. But my thing was, was these people who kept a pretty clean house and probably didn't have much anyway, how all of a sudden do they not realize that that stuff is there? You know what I mean? And so this is the thing, too, on how things can be just demonically hidden or we don't see things. Just like Pastor Blumhart, who was a prolific Bible reader, Pastor Blumhart, who did a lot of stuff like that, right? But all these other Bible verses were just hidden from, hidden from them. They found little boxes, uh, little boxes of uh, maces, it says, you know those things where you grind powders, right? They would find chalk, salt, bones, square pieces of paper. They would find papers wrapped up with little powders on the inside of them. And so what would happen, and see, folks, what those are called is those are called many times, and especially if they want to bury them outside of your house, those are called burials, or they loose that there. So Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we just break all powers of any burials. And Father in Jesus' name, if there's anything hidden in our house, or the, or the enemy still hiding it, but having a spiritual influence upon us, Father, we ask that you reveal that right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, the funny thing is, is that they they had all this stuff exam, examined too, and they would take it to other doctors and everything, you know, because they still think they're dealing with a, a mentally ill person, right? And all these little things that they're finding. And the whole thing was, was this, is that when they took it all the, to the doctors and had it examined and everything, I find it really interesting, I find it very interesting that they they said there was nothing special about it, and they shouldn't worry about it. Well, Pastor Bloomhart, he went and burned everything except for the money. But what would happen was, all of a sudden, those noises that were happening in the house, it wasn't just the night people were hearing it, it went on throughout the day. Of course, when everybody starts hearing it, news went far and wide. News went far and news went wide. And so here's what happened. They're still trying to figure out what go what's going on. But all of a sudden there was news of a haunted house in this little town. And what happened was is they is that they've started to become overrun by tourists. And tourists started flooding into the town out of curiosity. Now, you know, this is like Halloween we have all these little haunted houses that people like to visit and everything, right? What happened was was that it, you know, the whole region was there and it got so bad that they were they were they were afraid that things were that the house was going to get overrun. Now you have to imagine this: what would happen now is, of course, people all these quote unquote <clears throat> good Christians running to the haunted house here because you see, this is the part they were nominal Christians. This is what it was: Christianity had become so watered down that everybody everybody was super uh, interested in spiritism and everything, and everybody wanted to hear the haunted house. Right? What happened was, is everybody wanted to go in the house. People wanted to. stay stay in the house, right? Uh, people wanted to stay in the house, right? And they wanted to hear all the banging around. They had, they had other, they had they had priests that wanted to come and stay in the house overnight. And this is what they put the kombosh on. But I want to show, what we need to see here is what the enemy does. Because through prayer and as they were going forward and, and they were discovering what's going on here and, they, and the Holy Spirit started revealing stuff, the first thing you do is, is that you flood it with curiosity and people to where they, they couldn't go forward. They couldn't get anything done. I mean, you have to imagine, folks, these, you know, you come home and your entire house is full of people, strangers. So this is what happened. Since it involved the community, the mayor had to get involved. And so that became bloomheart's second thing. And, and the closest family member that he had, since it was a, a, another one, he had to get involved. So basically, it, w- it was a three team here. Things were progressing, too, because there were many times where Gottlieb. You know, she'd be passed out on her passed out on her bed and the enemy would be afflicting her with pains and everything. And more of these figures started showing up. And it, the thing was it wasn't just Gottlieb that was seeing it. Everybody in the area was seeing it. It's like everybody's hedges were down, right? And what happened is that they went they went there and they said, the solution is we're going to take Gottlieb out of this house and we're going to move her somewhere else. And guess what? The enemy was waiting for her everywhere she went. Okay. So sometimes some people go, well, we're, we're just going to move out of this place and, uh, you know, we're going to go try our, <clears throat> we're going to go try our luck somewhere else. And then you move into the, and you move into another place, you move into another town and you move into a, to another apartment and the same old songs, you know, the same old song seems to get played, uh, again and again. Now, let's go over some of the things that were happening her. The enemy would try to come and suffocate Gottlieb, right? And so what happened was is here she is. She's being suffocated. The enemy's basically throwing her around, and the living room was crowded full of people. Uh, there was a do- doctor that happened to be there from another village, and he rushed in. trying. Uh, he tried everything. He tried this and that. He tried bringing her back to life because she would stop breathing from sp- for periods of up between 5 and 15 minutes. You cannot... Naturally stop breathing between 5 and 15 minutes. And still come out okay, right? But she would lay there still and not breathe. And everybody's like kind of shocked, wondering if she's, if she's going to come back to life. And so they would pray the only way that they, that they knew how. And the thing was, is that as that would happen, a Gottlieb would wake up. And she told me quietly that she had seen the figure of the woman with the dead child in the living room. Okay? So basically, the spirit, you know, was basically following her around. And the interesting part was, is like I said, other people, other people were noticing this too or seeing this too. And so they were really quickly ruling out that this this got leave and she was not a schizophrenic, even though schizophrenia was not a diagnosis back then, because they thought, well, she must have some crazy sickness in her head. And they found out that wasn't the thing. Now, the Holy Spirit kept uh, kept revealing things as they went forward. Right. And what happened was eventually is that behind a stove they found another burial. They found another burial. So somebody had actually left these things here, the coins, the powders, the bones, and then they found the big one. And finally, a pot, which had the bottom of another pot for a cover, which contained small bones mixed with earth. The appearance of the figure, the appearance of the figure with the dead child had already spread the legend that it was, was the murderer of, of a child whose dead body could be found in the ground. So this is the story that was going around. The gravedigger who was with us insisted that he recognized the bones on which there was still some flesh as the bones of a child. In order to prevent all embarrassment, I packed all these things together. OK, and they went to an examiner. Now, mind you. The house is stuffed full of tourists and visitors and everybody that wanted to come to the haunted house. And so that's the thing, too. Notice how the enemy is just spreading wild stories all over the place, generating more uh, more excitement, right? Overrunning the place so they couldn't get anything done. When they looked at the thing here and you know with somebody who knew what it was, he stated that the bones were those of a bird. Therefore, all the things we had found thus far pointed to the fact that some time ago some black magic must have at least been attempted. Okay? But wait a minute here. So how does this happen? We have a young we have a young Christian girl in a Christian community right all these christian people all these people from all around the, all around the regions all these god fearing people all these church going people because yeah the church was full on sunday and everything but you see what happened was is idolatry goes to magic goes to black magic And you'll find out that people in any idolatrous religions, you know, they decide, well, I'm not going to go to this church anymore, right? They slip right into black magic and it goes back and forth. As a matter of fact, they want to use, a lot of times they want to say that the, the gifts are interchangeable, right? Like if you're a fortune teller, well, you'll just go over and you'll become this quote unquote Christian thing. And all of a sudden you'll go from fortune teller and they say, well, it's not fortune telling anymore. We call that the spirit of prophecy now and in reality there's a difference in those but people are not getting not people are not picking that up and so what happened why what was is that the, is that the common people were were deep also into superstition and secret magic. Now, anything secret, people—that's the occult. While well, at the same time, to be professing Christians. Okay? Now, this brought great, great problems. Now, it's interesting. Here, we go. Well, why did why did this why did this poor girl? Why did you know? Why did God pick her? Well, this she was in the pro- proximity of Pastor Bloomhart, and God knew that Pastor Bloomhart wouldn't quit. Finally, what they did is they had to close up the house and post a policeman there, and to chase all the tourists away because you know all the fantastical stories, and you know how rumors can change. And so, what happened was, is that you know the the tram- they called it the trampling, but the noises in the house that lasted for four years there, four years, right? right? And what would happen is, is that when the people would go into times of prayer, and they would you know they would go into pray, they would call it repentance. Well, you need to repent, and you just need to repent and do this here too. Well, they would pray and repent, and of course that would stir up the spirits, but that wouldn't change them, change them away. And there were there were entire times where they would have everybody in the church. Praying and repenting right away, right? And the noises would just just get louder. It's almost like hitting hitting a, hitting a bee's nest with a hitting a bee's nest with a stick, right? And so the demonic activity was rising up. Now notice this here too: wherever they moved, God leaving. They they kept trying to move her from house to house, house to house, right? And they didn't know what would go on. And and back then they would see these spirits, and you see back then what they thought too is they thought that. When they, when they saw that visage of the woman that they knew from two years ago who had died with the child, back then the belief was was that, you know, this, this, is, just the, this is just the dead. And the devil had bound them somehow. And they didn't know that it's evil spirits. You know, a lot of these seances or fortune tellers, and, and we know that here too, people will go there and they say, they go, well, I, I want to talk to my dead husband or my dead wife. And what happens is that something shows up and and then the person goes, well, how do I really know it's Bob or Mary or whoever, right? How do I know it's my dead husband or dead wife? And then what happens is the voice or whatever, the the spirit who they're talking to will say, well, Bob, he always liked this. And people go, well, that must be true now because Bob did like that and nobody else knew that besides his wife. The thing is, is that the, the demons that were in the people back then, they know that. They've been with Bob, you know, 70, 80 years, however long he lived. And when those demons are there and those spirits are there, they can be very tricky about that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the cruelty of this here, too. This type of spiritism, it was there in Europe for some time. And, of course, there were many Europeans that migrated, that went over to America, right? At the time of the Civil War, which takes place 25 years later, there were a lot of sons and daughters and and fathers and mothers. There There were a lot of people that died. We hear that song, When Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. Well, there were those days where Johnny didn't come marching home, okay? And so what happened was is that they would worry and they would fear. And so the spiritists would go and they said, well, you know, our son marched off to war, but we never saw him again. Do you know where he's at? And all of a sudden, something would show up, and this became very popular in the Civil War. Because there were so many people that were just, they'd die and you wouldn't see them again or they would blow up so horrifically there'd be nothing. And that's where it became very popular with seances and spiritism. Can you just contact my son? I just want to know he's okay. Can I just have confirmation that my, my husband's dead? And this is the horrible part of war because there's such a desperation there. And what we find out here too is that that's what the demons, they'll admit to that later is that they would they would have such a, a a desperate thing they would cause such a desperation and heartache in people that they would go they would go to this they would go to fortune telling you know the crystal ball they would go to the occult they would go to the idolatry because there's a real pain there and they would re- receive the false comfort of the enemy now not only did this happen in Europe and those of you that know history You know the history of the wars in Europe. Anywhere else, it's around the world. That really came over also the United States, a lot of that spiritism uh, before, during, and after the Civil War. What's interesting to note about this here, too, is that you'll notice, too, is, is that before wars and after wars, that is usually when a move of God and a revival works out, right? And so it's like God, and really, you'll notice, go back, for those of you that's, that study revivals or revival times like that, revivals usually come before and after times of times of war or calamity. So all of, these, so all of you out there praying for revival, I'd just like to know, let you know that those times are around there. And when God has his revival, right, whenever he has it, there's always a counter move of the enemy to bring in his revival, too, saying God's abandoned you. God took your husband, your wife, whoever. God took your loved one away from you. But we can get you into contact with them. And all of these people is it's talking with the devil and demons. But you know what? They didn't know that back then. Because even even back then, there was a long way to demythologize all of that. That's going to be our favorite word of the day, folks. Demythologize. Use that in a sentence. And so what happens is they're seeing all this evidence, and they're seeing all this going on, and they're wondering, why is everybody seeing this? Could this possibly be something? And the decisive moment came, it says, on a Sunday night, I went there again when a number of her women friends were present and silently watched her terrible convulsions. I sat down at some distance. She twisted her arms, turned her head to the side and bent her body up high. Foam flowed again from her mouth. It had become clear to me that something demonic played a role here. And it hurt me to think that there should be no means or help in such a horrible affair. Do you get that? He's going, there's something demonic here, but but how is it that the devil and the demons can be operating here, but there's no help? And this was a trained pastor, okay? This was a trained pastor, a seminary and everything, wise man. And he had never received instruction on this and watches a person in demonic torment and sits there and goes, it's clear that there's a demonic thing here. And it hurts me to think that there should be no means or help in such a horrible affair. And while in these thoughts, a sort of anger gripped me. I jumped forward, took her stiff hands, pulled her fingers together with force as for prayer, and I loudly spoke her name into her ear in her unconscious state. And I said, fold your hands and pray, Lord Jesus, help me. We have seen long enough what the devil is doing now we also want to see what Jesus can do. Now, note, folks, this this was years in this. And they were using all of the, uh, you know, folk remedies, you know. It's like, hey, well, did you try rubbing a potato on that, right? They were using all the little, you know, uh, you know all, all this stuff. But he said, finally. And so what he did is that finally, he says, you know, an, an anger came. And he, he goes, we cannot be helpless. We are Christians. We worship God. We cannot be helpless in this. And for those of you that are new to deliverance and whatever, it can be this simple, Lord Jesus, help me. And you see, this is the thing too. And we you know, We've seen long enough what the devil is doing. This was years, people. All this stuff we see on the television or movies, and oh, they were flopping on bed for five minutes. No, this was, a, it got so bad with her at times is that there would be five minute breaks and she would manifest that way the whole day. And so what happened is, is they cried out, Lord Jesus, help me. You know, we've seen long enough what the devil's doing. Now we also want to see what Jesus can do. And after a few moments, she awakened. She prayed those words after me. And all the convulsions ceased to the great surprise of everybody that was present. Because they couldn't stop it before people. They couldn't stop it before. And you see, they're learning here first. And this is why we don't laugh at these people. We are not making fun of these people. We are showing the struggle of Bloomheart's battle here. And at first we have the Holy Spirit revealing it, uncovering all the hidden things that the enemy is doing. Why are people suffering? No, this suffering is not normal. That weird stuff that's happening is not normal, right? And this was the decisive moment which pulled me into activity for the cause with irresistible power, something, you know, in the Bible, we we read about the judges and and the spirit of God would come upon them and the spirit of Christ would come upon those judges like Samson or something. And it's like, you know what? There's nobody standing up. There's nobody standing in the gap right now. And then Jesus said, yes, there is. It's you and you're on. Samson, he he picked up the jawbone of an ass and started swinging. And with here, with Bloomheart here, something gripped him, something, you know, that righteous anger ro- rose up on him. And he says, you know what, we, we are not helpless people here. And he says, you know, before I had not even the slightest th- thought of it. Now there was a pressing impulse, which led me, which led me, which still is so fresh in my mind that later on, it was often my only comfort because it convinced me that I had not acted out of my own power. And you so that's the thing, and and as soon as they used the name of Jesus there, all these convulsions stopped, right? All the convulsions stopped, and they realized, oh, we can start just saying, stop that in Jesus' name. Stop that in Jesus' name. And you know what? It worked. And so every time that it happened, and every time she would fall backwards or something, immediately I made her call out the same words, Lord Jesus help me. Although she could hardly get these words out, she came to us again and the convulsions did not break out again. That is incredible. And so that's what happened. And so that's where they realized, right there, that it wasn't schizophrenia. It wasn't something weird. This thing, that we're, this thing that we're doing and looking at here, hey, praise the Lord, we can get these convulsions to stop when we call on the name of Jesus and ask him for help. I was already beginning to have hope when I was told that one could hear that same knocking as with fingers around Gottlieb. Then suddenly she would, re- would receive a blow on the chest and would sink back, and then she would see the same female figure which she had seen in her own apartment. And so this is what happened, folks, is that, yes, the enemy tried showing his power. They came in. They said, hey, you can pray in the name of Jesus. They prayed in the name of Jesus, and the manifestations stopped temporarily, right? Notice they were just commanding commanding it to stop and not come out. But what happens here is, and this is the encouragement here, the encouragement and the warning that we want to put on at the end here, too is that, yes, they learned the name of Jesus, but what happened was then the enemy goes, oh, you're going to use something up, so we're going to increase our game too, and this is where physical attacks started coming against her. And so for that, what we're going to do is we're going to go on and we're going to find out more of these roots and more how they went forward and uh, how they would overcome this. So praise the Lord. You know, when the devil wants to go up a level, what we're going to see here and what you see in the book, Bloomheart's Battle, is the enemy always tries to up his game. The enemy always goes, OK, you're going to do that now. I'm going to go up a level, too. And so what happens is, is many times then Christians get afraid and they want to they want to stop and they want to quit. And this is where that always came. Well, don't mess with the devil because you'll give him power and it will only get worse. No, it's not that the devil gets worse. It's that God gets better. Because at every point where the enemy got worse, God would come back and God would come back better. And that's part of the beauty of the Bloomhearts battle because it's a step-by-step showing that whatever the enemy would throw at them, eventually God would give give them the answer that would give them the help. So praise the Lord. I look forward to coming back and we'll do uh, the next part of this. We'd like to share much more. Uh, There are so many great points to go through and uh, read on this. So praise the Lord. How about we stop there for today, Sheila?
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Elvis. That was really, really interesting. And we're really looking forward to part two and three in the next days to come. And very quickly, Elvis, for the new listeners, perhaps that aren't familiar with your ministry, do give out your information and how folks can check out your handiwork.
1: You can check us out right on, on YouTube under the what's called the Elvis Newhart Network. We have several messages there that you may find very interesting and very helpful on different topics there. That's the best way to find us. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at elvishcd at aol.com. Again, that's elvishcd at aol.com. And if you'd like to help out and support the ministry and help us move forward, you can go to paypal.me forward slash Elvis Newhart and uh, help us out that way if you'd like. That'd be really great. And I look forward to coming back. And thank you, Sheila, for making this possible.
0: Thanks, Elvis. Folks, again, Elvis Newhart, his information is up there on the screen. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. Good night and God bless you.